Good morning, everybody. I'm Joe, in case of those of you who don't know me, I'm an elder here at CBC, and what an honor and privilege it is to come up here and share with you what, what God has to say to us this morning. Um, we're going to go ahead and start with some scripture this morning, um, if we could. Uh, well, my bad. All right. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 7 is where we will be this morning. So if you could turn your Bibles there quickly, and um, we're going to start with that. Can everybody please stand for the reading of God's Word? The Word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Here is the word of the Lord. All you men of Judah who enter these gates to worship the Lord, thus say the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice with one another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after God's to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I have gave, gave of old to your fathers forever. Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. You will steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known. Then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered only to go down with these abominations. You may be seated. So, pretty heavy stuff, right? Not easy to hear. Okay, so what's going on here, right? So, this is the beginning of what is called Jeremiah's Temple Address, and it starts at chapter 7 and goes all the way to chapter 10, so it's a pretty big deal. Uh, God has called Jeremiah to stand in front of the temple gates and to preach, right? So, it's, you know, it's kind of a big deal. Like, it's, Jeremiah is standing in front of this amazing structure, and so what's he doing here? He's not high-fiving guys as they're coming into the temple and saying, good job, buddy, you're doing great. Keep on doing what you're doing. This is awesome to see you here. Nope, he's, that's not it. It's the complete opposite. He is calling these people out. That is what God has called him to do. And what he's doing is he's telling the people of Israel that they have distorted their their views on worship and God himself. Like what Matt was singing about the holiness of God and just how holy our God is. That was distorted and missing. These people were coming into God's house and they were making it about them and they were not taking God's wrath seriously. Jeremiah was very much mocked for what he was doing. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm new. Forgive me. All right, so there, I, I put this picture up here because I think sometimes we forget like the gravity of the, what's going on in Jeremiah, right? Like he's standing up here 
the only one by himself. Nobody's there backing him up. He's by himself listening and obeying God. And these people are coming in and mocking him. They pretty much hate him because he's telling them the truth. And what he's telling them is you got to stop using God's holy place as a good luck charm, as a way to feel secure. When I was a kid, there was, you know, um, I'm sorry. I'm, okay, so they didn't respond well. And then they continue down the path they're on. Jeremiah keeps telling them, stop, repent, amend your ways. You know, this is a, a theme in Jeremiah. Um, and, then they, and then some of the issues that they still continue to follow, God used Babylon as the instrument of his judgment. So I kind of want to talk about the different things that are going on then and maybe how they relate to some of the stuff that maybe can be happening in the church. Not just here, but the church, right? So when we walk through the doors of the church, first of all, when we come here first thing in the morning and we come, do we come here for ourselves? Do we come here to get that own self-fulfillment? Like, I came to church, feel pretty good. I'm coming to church to for my own reasons and not to worship God who deserves our praise and deserves the glory that we can give him. So, and then we see people using back then the temple as a magic token. When I was a kid, there was a cartoon called DuckTales and there's a character, Scrooge McDuck, right? His lucky dime, right? I, I just think it's interesting how like in the cartoon, he will use this dime as like his sense of security. Right? That's what he uses to feel secure. And that's not what church is for. I'm sorry, it's not. Church is not for feeling secure. We are here to worship the holiest of holy, right? Our God. That's what we're here for. And it's not to, to feel safe or to check something off a list or to say, ah, I sang three worship songs this morning. You know, God's going to leave me be. So, like I said, we're going to be kind of breaking this down into two different things. First, we're going to start with worship and church. But first, I want to touch on a couple other things. Um, when we are the church and worshiping the, God, the way that God deserves to be worshiped. And then also, as a body of believers, are we doing what Jesus commanded us to do? Right? Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The, Holy, or the, the commission, right? The Great Commission. And then also, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but the salt loses its saltiness. How can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on the hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Are we doing that? Are we going out and being salt, being light? I'm going to touch on more of that here in a minute. Um, and then also, like he says, are we going after idols that do us harm? Are we devoting ourselves to things that 
ultimately do us harm instead of devoting our full hearts to God. Our jobs, that's something I'm guilty of. I think sometimes I put too much of my own identity in my job and it ends up doing me harm. Money, television, relationships, politics, social media, and worst of all, ourselves. Let us break down and, and look at worship now. We're going to focus on that for a minute and what that means in terms of what we're talking about. I'm sorry for these weird pauses. I'm trying to change the slide. There we go. Okay, cool. I'm sorry, that's kind of small. Um, all right. So, what does worship look like back then, and what did it look like now? You know, what does it look like now? Back then, it was the sacrifices, and they would come to the temple, and they would listen to the law, right? Today, we gather here. Churches all around the world, all around Mansfield, all around Ohio, gather here in, in church, and we basically sing and listen, you know, to music or sing music, right? I'm not trying to water this down, but do we water it down to just that? To where I'm going to go to church, I'm going to listen to Sam preach, you know, I'm going to listen to James preach. I'm going to sing a couple songs that Matt sings that I like. Some of them I don't, you know, but whatever. You know, I'm not just going to go hang out. You know, it's, it's cool. It's a cool way to spend my Sunday. I think that what, what is really cool and what kind of blows my mind is that the God that is commanding Jeremiah to do this stuff and to, to say these things to these people is the same God that we serve today. This is the same God. This is the same Holy One who created the universe, who gave us breath, who gave us life who holds our lives in his hand. So are we, that is why he deserves this worship, the best that we can give him, to truly open up our hearts and give the absolute best we can to him. Praise him until we were empty. Rejoice in him until there is nothing left. Uh, let's look at Psalm 145, 1 through 3. I just love just think about this after I read it. I extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. That last line is kind of mind-blowing, right? His greatness is unsearchable. And that's, that's why, that's why we have to come here and really, truly worship him. Um, and then one of my favorite instances of worship in the Bible um, is in First Chronicles when David, uh, the Ark of the Covenant comes back to Israel after being captured. And he sings this song of thanks to everybody as they're worshiping. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell all of his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. 
remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he has uttered. That's another reason, right? We're here to worship to remember what he's done for us and what he continues to do every day. He sustains us. He gives us life. Like this planet, right? The sun, if it, the sun went away, we would all die because we wouldn't be able to eat. We would get cold and freeze and that would be it. He does that. He is the master and creator of all things. And then, you know, that's not what was happening. And going back to what in Jeremiah's day, that's not what people were doing. They were, they were using God's, the opportunity to come worship God as a good luck charm. That's why, I mean, we know the significance of, like Sam has talked about, the significance of the three repeating things in the Bible, like what that meant and all that. Um, but that's why they go and they say the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. I could just go and say that there, you know, do whatever. And then I'm good. I'm good to go. I just appease God's justice and God's, God's wrath. That's it. I'm good. I wrote my little check or did whatever. God's going to let me live for another week. But I think that sometimes we do that too. We think that I'm going to come to church. Nothing else really needs to change. Um, I've been guilty of that in my own life. And God's wrath, honestly, cannot be appeased by anything that we can do. Can't do anything. Jesus did that. Jesus was the spotless lamb who took our spot and satisfied God's wrath. That is why when we walk through these doors, we have to have the heart of reverence and gratitude towards God. Because he loves us so much that he said, here's my son. You guys are going to be with me forever. And that's, that's why right there. Romans 5.8. But God shows us his love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's why we come here. That's why we sing these songs. That's why we come and learn about God. It's not for, not for us. It's not for me to come and feel better about myself. It's for me to come and give thanks to the master of the universe who knew me from birth before I was even born. And he sent his son to die for me and for everybody here. Worshiping God is a privilege and it's about honoring and praising him. Like I said, it's not about us feeling secure or feeling better about ourselves. It's not going to save us. This will not put us right with God. The only way to be secure is accepting God or Jesus as our Savior and surrendering our lives to him. And we're going to touch more on that here soon, but I want to switch gears a little bit. and We're going to talk about the other thing is being the church, right? The living church. I think the best example of this in scripture is that we look at the book of Acts and we see kind of all the different stories of the very early church and what the original vision was meant to be. You know, they were loving, accepting and honest, right? That's what they were. You know, how, and then how do we become, like I read uh, the verse at the beginning about the salt and light. Are we doing that? Are we being that beacon of light out in the darkness?
You know, and this is not what was happening back in Jeremiah's day when he was up here in front of the temple gates getting insulted, you know, people just basically hating him. I encourage you to read Jeremiah and some of the stuff that, that happened to him um, because he was doing this. Um, but look at verses five. We look at verses six and seven, right? If you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, or shed the innocent blood of this place, if you do not go after God's to your own harm, and then I will let you dwell in this place in the land um, of, the, of old to your fathers forever. These people were doing these things. He wouldn't have said, don't do these things if they weren't already doing them. If some of this crazy stuff in God's temple wasn't already happening. And, you know, are, are we doing not this kind of stuff, but are we missing the point? Are we forgetting our purpose of what it's like to be God's people and God's church? Do we love all people? Do we see these people that sometimes we run across somebody that, man, I do not like him. I don't think I can do anything to help him out. I, I run across that often um, where I will meet somebody and they will definitely rub me the wrong way. And it is hard for me sometimes to, to step outside of that and to say this person is God's child. Especially sometimes when somebody has hurt me or, you know, I get screamed at a lot in my job. So that's hard. <laughs> um, and then do we meet people where they are and do we accept them where they are in life? Do we not judge them for where they are in life? Um, I deal, I work in children's services and it's sometimes not all fun. It can be pretty dim most days. I work with parents who are probably in one of the worst positions in life. They've lost their kids. They've done, they've made mistakes. And I think for me, the best way for me to reach those people was for me to just step outside and not judge them or even care about some of the stuff that they've done in the past only to worry about that they're trying to get better. And my boss said something to me one time when I was dealing with a difficult client. And this always kind of struck me, and I think it kind of opens up our minds to kind of, we need to realize this, that everybody's hurting. He said, we are all one bad day away, one bad choice from being in the same position. That's true. I'm one bad decision away from hurting somebody I love dearly. One bad conversation, one bad to hurt my wife's feelings or to do something catastrophic to my marriage. And that's why, that's what I'm saying, to, to be accepting and loving and to step out of that place of judgment. Are we being, that's all about being salt and light to people. And then the next part is being honest. Are we being honest to people about who God is? One thing that comes to my mind in my own life, um, there was a friend of mine at work. He had a lot of questions about God and Jesus. And he was asking me and I was like, this is awesome. I got really excited. And I was like, this is my chance to, to share my faith with somebody. Um, we became friends, really good friends actually. Um, and then it all came down to a point where we started doing devotions together. We started doing Bible study together. And he already had some different things in his mind about God and who he was. And 
he had said something um, that just wasn't true. And I said, no, buddy, that's not it. That's, that's not. And I, I showed him in scripture. And after that happened, our relationship was never the same. We don't even talk anymore. Um, and it really, I think about him every day because it weighs heavy on my heart. But I know I had to say what I said to him. I had to be honest with him about who God is and then let God take care of the rest. So I think that we must become a people, say all that to say that we must become a people who are relentlessly seeking after God. Like Sam did a couple, said a couple weeks ago and to keep with that theme, that's what we have to do. And one of the verses that is probably one of my favorite that I actually have on the screensaver of my phone is Psalm 8611. Teach me your ways, O God, that I may walk in your truth and unite my heart to fear your name. That's a, that's a different translation than what I have, but we'll go with it. Um, that's the thing. Give, give me an undivided heart. I want my heart to be solely focused on you and not on these other things in my life that, are, that I deem so super important, like my job or the game or spending time with a relative, things like that. And I think that we have to be full of the spirit and be knowledgeable in the word, getting into this every single day, picking it up, diving in and not just reading it, but studying it and understanding what God has to say is super important. And I think it's time for us to start changing the church as a whole. And it's been about us, I think, for too long. And it needs to be more about God and who he is. And I think we have to, you know, you start looking at, I closed my Bible. Let me flip back here. I'm sorry. Please hold. Um, so we look back at here at verse five. For truly, if you amend your ways and your deeds, you know, that's what he's saying. And what does it mean to amend our ways? We need to be better. Amend means to make improvements or be better. Like, I think a day that when, as a church, like even here, that we decide, hey, we got it. I think that's dangerous. And we always can do better. There's always something that God wants us to do that, to be better, to be more loving, more accepting, or more honest. And I think we need to at least attempt. Sunday morning has become very focused on the self and feels good to us. It makes us comfortable. And like I've said before, what, what is the condition of our heart when we walk through these doors? I think we have to truly, to truly understand what it means to change. We have to truly understand who God is and take him seriously, the words that he says. And that this, these words in the Bible are not just here for our entertainment or for our occasional, like, you know, intellectual tickling or whatever, right? It's like, we're not here to just get intellectually stimulated by the Bible. It's to teach us what we need to do. And I think that it, that is done by understanding that we must fear the Lord. So we're going to switch gears here a little bit, talk about that. So fearing the Lord or revering God. So first of all, what is our view of God? How do we see him? Especially like in, in, in this church and then also in the church around 
America? How do we see God? Do we see him as this cuddly entity that is peace, love, and happiness? That's part of who he is. God is gracious and merciful. Psalm 116, 5. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, and God, our God is merciful, right? He is those things. God is loving. God is kind, but there are also other aspects of God. God is also a consuming fire and a righteous judge. You know, uh, Deuteronomy 4.24, and then also in Psalm 7.11. Consuming fire. It's kind of scary, right? Has, everybody, has anybody ever seen a house, like even on TV, like a house on fire, right? Or see those videos of like, like a house will start like on fire. I remember when I was a kid, we went to the fire museum here in town and they showed us this video of like a Christmas tree like sparking and then just like the house like engulfed in flames in like 13 minutes or something. Like that's scary. <laughs> but then when you think about that about God is like, oh my, my goodness. Like, I don't know, it's mind blowing to me. And a righteous judge also kind of scary because I'm not righteous by myself. I can't do something, do all these deeds, donate, give blood, you know, go protest outside of an abortion clinic, do these things. And that can be counted as me as righteousness. That's not it. That's, there's only one way for us to then as by Jesus Christ. But I mean, honestly, this kind of stuff about God is He's the opposite of cuddly, right? This part of him, he's the opposite of safe. You know, in, in one of my wife's favorite books and stories is the Chronicles of Narnia, which has been referenced several times, I think, by Sam. But he says he's good but not safe. There it is. Pretty simple, I think. And something to really think about on why we need to revere our Lord and our God. He's an almighty power full of glory. And that's the thing. You know, uh, Matt talked about it, Isaiah 6. And I have something in here about Isaiah 6, about the creatures that serve God up in heaven, right? That he's so holy, they can't even look at him. They have to cover their feet and their eyes. That's... There's not a lot for me to say except for having those words speak for themselves. And if, God, and if we think about all these things about who God is and the totality of God, if he's not a being that deserves to be revered, I honestly don't know what else we can fear or revere. He is the creator of all things. He's perfect, righteous ruler of the universe. He's so perfect and so righteous that the only way for his wrath to be satisfied was the innocent blood of Jesus Christ. There's a quote. Um, I tried really hard to not include a quote by this guy, but I had to. He's my favorite theologian. His name's R.C. Sproul. And he sums up God and his totality by this. I think I have it on the screen. Yeah, I do. God, a God who is all love, all grace, in all mercy, but no sovereignty, no holiness, and no wrath is an idol. Scripture tells us, like, that's not who God is. And we really need to understand and dig into the word so we can truly learn who God is. 
why? Why do we need to... Let me back up. I'm sorry, I skipped a point here. I mean, how often do we see God as that? Right? As a God that's all love, all grace, all mercy, all mercy no sovereignty, no holiness, and no wrath. I think we pretty often do. I think we do that to make ourselves feel better sometimes. That we don't really truly want to amend our ways and change. God is to be honored, revered, feared for who he truly is. Why? Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. We need to be wise and knowledgeable and understand who our God is. He is holy. He is set apart from us. He is something that cannot be, that we can't obtain. We can't obtain that on our own. God is just. And he will make all things right in his time. When we violate God's law, we incur his wrath. That's pretty scary. Any time that I say a swear word or I lie, I'm sinning. We all sin. And that is the very reason why God sent his son. And I think, like here, the people just didn't fear him. In Jeremiah 7, they didn't fear him. They were just like, whatever. Cool news, Jeremiah. Thank you. Thank you for your time. We appreciate that. They didn't get it. And much like in Scripture, you look at some of the other stories and some of the crazy stuff that has happened. It all start with the people of God not forgetting, or not forgetting, but forgetting who God truly is. And who he is in his majesty. And that, yeah, he'll give you chances. But eventually he's, he's going to decide that something needs to be done. And it's all according to his plan. So people treated, like the picture of Scrooge McDuck up there, people treated God's temple as a common trinket and refused to remember that God is, that his wrath is real. And then God proved himself to them by sending Babylon to take them away. And God will prove himself again. Matt talked about the revelations that he's going to prove himself again. And like in the song that we sang, he's going to come back. The graves will open. And then God's final judgment is going to take place. So the answer now is for us as a church to be what God has commanded us to. To honor his word and revere his name. Repent of our sins and have faith in Christ our Savior. So just to kind of close out, I know that was kind of short, but I think that what we need to do is just look back on our purpose. Let us not treat the church and worship as a thing that can keep us safe. And realize that we can go back in Scripture and learn from it. Let us empty our hearts in worship. Be the living church. Repent from our ways and truly fear God. For he is holy. God is our king and our savior. 
And he deserves a church who relentlessly pursues him to show the world who he is. That is where we find security. That is where we find hope. In him. And in our Savior Jesus. Please pray with me. Father God. I'm so grateful for this moment. To stand up in front of my church family and share what what you have for us to learn. Lord, I ask that you please open our hearts and our minds to being the living church and to truly change where we're going. Because, Father, the world is so broken. I was listening to the radio on the way here and it was just bad story after bad story of just some of the craziest stuff that that happens in this world. And Lord, we are commanded to go out and share your world with or share your word with this broken world. Give us the strength to do that. Put your peace in our hearts. We thank you and praise you for all you are, Lord. Amen.